Thank you for downloading this podcast from Awakening Church. Good morning. How many of you are glad to be in the presence of the Lord? Really glad I am. So thankful. So thankful. I want to jump right in. Uh, welcome to all of our visitors. So glad that you're able to be here. Um, I want to jump in. My, my intent is not to be long. Uh, however, if I am, you'll just have to forgive me. It's not my intent today, though. But I am going to talk about one of my favorite things in the Bible, so we'll see what happens. been talking about sweeping the corners and uh this is corner number four today and has, has this been helping anybody has it has it helped you just take some inventory and see some things i hope so it has me and uh just continue to do that um i think one of the greatest revelations that i've had uh over the last several weeks has been the fact that in grace, I want you to hear this, in grace, the Lord let me know that I was a Pharisee. In grace. And I say that it's in grace because if he hadn't let me know in grace, everything, everybody good? Yeah, see, they're laughing. It's all good. In grace, had he not let me know that I still had some Pharisee in me, then I, there, there's no way I could really get to true beloved identity because I'd still be trying to mask some things. And so um, I'm really, really thankful for that. Uh, and just because it was in grace doesn't necessarily mean it always feels good. Several weeks ago, I don't know, maybe even a month and a half ago, I, I was telling Rebecca that I... I so I wanted to and I want to relate to those that Jesus is talking to about the Pharisees but but I'm finding that that there's some stuff in me that maybe he was talking to them about me and so um but it's his kindness that leads us to repentance amen amen so I'm grateful for that thank you guys y'all are amazing you make me sound way more spiritual and I'm tempted to leave y'all up here the whole time but I'm going to give you a break. Uh, yeah. So um, let's, let's go to 2 Samuel. We're going to go to 2 Samuel today. And uh, we're going to have a lot of Bible, and then we'll, we'll, we'll get into some New Testament passages in a moment. You know you're in trouble because I'm double-fisted today. I got them both. I got both. All right, Second Samuel. So the, the fourth corner that we're going to talk about today, and I'm going to recap the other three, but the fourth one, let me just tell you this. The fourth one is the corner of guilt and shame. The corner of guilt and shame to be swept and replaced with a real revelation of being the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, a real revelation 
of being the righteousness of God. So the, the first corner was religion, sweeping the corner of religion, performance, control, complacency, and replacing it with real freedom. The second one was huge, the corner of cynicism, our cynical behaviors, our cynical approaches to the things of God, uh, replacing that with wonder. And, and there were two phrases that the Lord gave me, and, and it's, it's almost uh, contradictory, but maturing into childlike wonder, and then the discipline of wonder. And um, those are some things that the Lord just really began to talk to me about. And last week we talked about sin cycles, sweeping the corner of sin cycles that we get caught up in and moving into a real born-again experience with the idea that born-again literally means born brand new. Born brand new into original intent. And when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus about that, he, he's talking to him and the 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 phrases that he uses indicate to him, Nicodemus, you should be born again like Adam was born with the breath of God. And that, that's the depth of what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus about being born again. And, and so corner number four is the corner of guilt and shame with a revelation of understanding that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so I'm going to take a little bit of a, 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 a circular approach because I, I really want to talk about something that I feel like the Lord just um, has placed on my heart. This has been a passage that I have studied for, wow, I, I can't even tell you how long, studied intently because the Lord spoke something to me very profound about this, um, this story. This is the story of David bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel. And um, it's very, very, it's, 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 a, it's a precious place for me because of what the Lord has spoken to me. And so, um, but I, I believe there are some things in here that we can glean today uh, from this. So uh, where did I say? Second uh, Samuel chapter 6, verse 12. And uh, I'm just going to read to the end of the verse, okay? So the backdrop is that they are bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Israel. Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. I want to read that again. Can we read that together? Let's just read verse 14 together. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. One more time. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Now, as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, 
he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Then he distributed among the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both the women and men, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. Then David returned to bless his household. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants as one of the base fellows, look at this word, shamelessly uncovers himself. So David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord and I will be even more undignified than this and will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken by them, I will be held in honor. Therefore, Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Father, we just thank you for your word, and we just ask that you would open our ears today to hear exactly what it is that you want us to hear, and let us know what it is that you want us to do with this. We bless you. We're so grateful for the word of God, and we thank you for all that you're doing, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. David has become king and one of the first things he does is he wants to go and retrieve the Ark of the Covenant from the Philistines because he understands that the power of ruling his kingdom, the power that, that he would have as a ruler only comes from his connection with the presence of God. David was a lifelong pursuer of the presence of God, period. When you look at his life, when you see what he did, even in his failure, even in 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 um, his, his, his lack of responsibility, his, his approach to take other methods and ideas. He realized quickly what he had done and made adjustments so that he could have a pure connection with the presence of God. There are two distinguishing stories in the Bible. One is Saul is instructed to kill all of the Amalekites. You remember that story? God tells him, I want you to go and I want you to kill every one of the Amalekites. I don't want you to leave anything, no animals, no person, no descendant, nothing. And so Saul goes and he does it, but he has a great idea. He says, let's keep the king and have it as a trophy. Let's take their livestock and, and we'll have that as a trophy. And so Samuel, the prophet, comes to Saul and he says this. He says, you have sinned and the kingdom has been taken from you. And Saul's response is really interesting. He says, okay, I understand everything you're saying, but at least come out with me and let the people think that I have done right. At least come out with me and let those that see me and talk to me think that I have done everything correctly because what, what, what Paul is saying, or what Saul is saying rather, he's saying I want the people and their opinion of me, even if it's incorrect, to be something that I can live with. David falls, has Uriah murdered, fornicates with Bathsheba, and the prophet Nathan comes to him and explains it, and David has a completely different response than what Saul did. David's response can be found in Psalm 51 when he said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, 
and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. A completely different approach. David was more worried about the presence of God than he was the opinion of people. Saul was more worried about the opinion of people than he was the presence of God. So I read this story to you today, understanding that David has attempted to get the Ark of the Covenant and bring it back. David made another mistake. This was the second time, because if you read the verses prior to where we started, they tried to get the Ark of the Covenant and bring it back on a cart, because that's what the Philistines had done, and that was easier now. Because really, sometimes what we want to do is not really have to pay for presents. We really want to do what's easy so that we can just get into something. And, 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 you know, David, David has a couple of experiences. You remember when he went to Onan's, Onan's threshing floor and he said, I want this because I'm going to offer sacrifice. And Onan said, I'm going to give this to you. And he said, no, you're not going to give me anything because I am not going to give something to the Lord that has not cost me something. I, I, I'm not supposed to preach right there today, but I really wish we could get a generation to understand that sometimes it costs something And there, there were specific instructions on how to carry the presence of God, that it was to be carried on the shoulders of the priests. And so David says, let's get this ox cart and let's try it and let's see if we can go around the backside. Let's see if we can take a shortcut. And what happens, there's someone who had become so comfortable with the presence of God. I don't want to preach that whole story. But, but the, the, Uzzah was a son of Obed-Edom, and so he had been living, I'm sorry, Uzzah was a son of Amenadab, and that's where the ark was before so they go to get the ark, and Uzzah had been living with the ark the whole time. And so now it's on an ox cart, and Uzzah is so comfortable with the presence of God that he thinks he can adjust it as it tilts and it is about to fall. So in his own strength, he reaches out to think he could steady the presence of God, and he's killed. It's not just Uzzah's fault. It's the fault of the leadership who did not teach them that there's a proper way to carry the presence of God. And so that's why we have so many churches in America. And let me just talk about America. I'm not, just, I'm not going to talk globally because they're doing things better than we are, just to be honest. But um, in America, we have so many churches who have no idea how to handle the presence of God. As a matter of fact, what they want to do is they want to handle the presence of God so much that they remove it so that... And so Uzzah reaches out, and he touches the ark. He dies. David goes back and gets mad. He gets mad. Now, at first, that aggravates me, because I can't stand for somebody to get mad at something that was their fault. Like, are you kidding me? You're mad at me now because it was your fault, right? My kids used to do that all the time. They come to me, and they would disobey, and I would discipline. And then they get mad because I disciplined them. I'm like, I didn't do it. You did it. Here we are. But here's what I love about David. He sulks just for a little while, and then he moves on and realizes his mistake, and he says this, I did not consult the scriptures, and I did not consult the promises that I know to look at. And so he goes to the sanctuary, gets out the scroll. He gets this book out, and he starts reading on how he's supposed to carry the presence of God into Jerusalem. He makes arrangements. They go and they carry the Ark of the Covenant and they had it on an ox cart, remember that? And so this time as they're carrying it, every six paces, they begin to sacrifice what they were trying to carry the presence with before. 
So every six paces, they sacrifice one of the oxen, and they have a worship service right there. They move another six paces, and they have another worship service. Why did they do that over and over again? I am convinced that they did that in a heart of thanksgiving, realizing we're not letting another one of this generation be touched because we don't know how to handle presents. And, and so they, they, they carry the Ark of the Covenant in. They sacrifice the oxen. Every six steps, they get into Jerusalem, and David begins to dance, a dance of freedom in front of the presence of God. David was, here's what I want to tell you. David was doing this before he ever became king. David had a connection with the presence of God on the backside of the desert that allowed him to have that freedom now that he's operating in kingship in Israel. And so he's dancing and twirling, and, and, and I'm, I'm going to go into a little bit of, of what this word really means, but, but Michael McCall, whatever you want to call her, Saul's daughter, which is interesting to me, is looking out the window and sees him dancing, and she becomes embarrassed, and she says, you were dancing shamelessly. In other words, you should be ashamed of the way you were dancing because you're supposed to be king. This is a really, really, really interesting word. The reason that Michael was responding this way is because she was still controlled by the political and religious spirit that her father was. Remember what I told you? Go out to the people with me so that they will think that I'm still in right standing. So this is what has been reproduced in her. And so she says this to David, that you are shamelessly dancing, and she is being controlled by this political and religious spirit, which ultimately renders her unable to reproduce. See, one of the, one of the issues that, that I'm seeing in the, the American church specifically is we are so bent on doing things a certain way and going with our plan that we forget that it may interfere with reproduction. Listen, I can take you to mainstream denominations and you will see that the average age of the pastor in that denomination is over 50 years old at this point. What does that say? It's a lack of reproduction. And you'll find that many of the talented, anointed People who are in those mainstream denominations, I'm not just talking about one. I'm not just talking about one. Many of those are moving and going on. Why? Because there's not a father, there's not a mother that's present to reproduce in them, and they are controlled and manipulated by this political and religious spirit, which Michael was, and she was unable to reproduce. Some theologians believe that it wasn't that she was just unable to reproduce, but because of this, David never went into her again. So her political and religious affiliation with the spirit of her father also removed her ability to be intimate with the king. You danced shamelessly, or you should have felt shame from what you did. The word shamelessly right here, it means to uncover or to remove. But watch this. It also means to exile or be taken captive or be stripped 
as a captive. Have you ever gotten into uh, an intense moment of fellowship or an intense discussion with someone and they immediately go for the jugular? Have you ever done that? They're so hurtful for their words. I'm not going to ask you, have you ever been that person? But I'm going to ask, have, have you ever done, has anybody ever done that to you, right? We're not going to do the reverse today. This is what I believe Michael was doing. I believe it's deeper than you embarrassed yourself in front of the ladies because of the meaning of the word. It's my conviction that Michael was using this word to reference David and maybe even the children of Israel's past as captives. You shamelessly were dancing as if you didn't know where you were or as if you were captive as you were once before. Come on, I want you to hear where I'm going today. In other words, you may have acted that way out on the pasture. You may have acted that way as your ancestors were coming out of Israel, out of Egypt as exiles. Listen, this is this is this is not this is not um, uh, you, you're not going to find this in the Bible. I'm, I'm giving you this is my opinion. Okay, this this is what I'm saying. This is what I believe because of the depth of the word, and it's okay if you disagree with me. In other words, you may have acted that way, but now you are more distinguished. Watch this. And you should remember the shame of your past and respond differently because of your story past. Come on, can you see this? The Ark of the Covenant, it, the very presence of God in the Old Testament is coming into the city. David is dancing his dance, dances right out of his clothes, out of his robe. He's dancing. He doesn't care. He has the presence of the Lord. It's the pursuit of his life. It's everything that he has ever wanted. It, it's him fulfilling the, the identity that God spoke over him, that this is a man after my own heart. He's dancing, and the religious and political spirit looks at that and says, because of your past, you should not be responding that way. Because of what you've done, and I know where you came from, you should not be responding that way, and I'm going to critique you, and I'm going to make you feel shame because I'm controlled by a religious spirit of performance and a political spirit that wants to manipulate, and I know who you really are, and you should act differently because of your past. You shouldn't lift your hands. They know what you did. You shouldn't really act like you have a prayer life. You, you, you shouldn't really go deep in the things of God because of your story past. As a matter of fact, you still have to pay for what you did. Come on, this is all stuff that we would say on surface. No way, I don't agree with that. But we live these things daily because we have not swept the corner and gotten rid of the shame and the guilt. Do you know what shame, what the definition of shame is? Watch this. The definition of shame, a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. Shame is feeling bad because you are aware of wrongdoing. 
I want to help somebody today. This is exactly what the enemy does. He attempts to cause us to live our lives like we have the consciousness of our wrong behavior. He doesn't care if you come to church. He doesn't care if you get in part of a family. And he doesn't care if you say it's kingdom family. If he can manipulate you to the point that he keeps you aware of your wrongdoing or your foolish behavior, then he has the upper hand. He continues to remind you of how you failed. He continues to remind you of where you missed the mark. He continues to remind you of all of the things that you have done. And it just builds up in the corner and it becomes clutter like we talked about the first week and then you come into the house of God you come into a corporate worship setting and the presence of God is there and you can't move because you have more of a consciousness of wrongdoing that you did in the past than what the blood of Jesus actually has done for you and Michael being aware of the environment that she was raised in looks at him and says I can't believe that you would be dancing like that. I can't believe that you would be dancing shamelessly before the people. What are the people going to think? Here, here's what I want to say. Here's what I want to say. Because maybe some of you, maybe some of you do not live with the guilt and shame of your past. I pray that that's the case. I pray that that's the case. And if that is the case, I have another question for you. Then what was it that stole your dance? If it's not what I'm talking about, and if it's not cynicism, and if it's not sin cycles, and if it's not religion, what is it that stole your dance? What is it that stole? Well, I've never really been that, that person. I, you know, I hear that all the time. And here's the deal. When you come into the presence of God, I'm totally cool. If you sit there and, and you have your head in your hand and you're crying, but here, here's what I know about people. There is something that sparks movement on the inside of you. And it doesn't matter what it is. I've used the analogy before. If I wrote you a million dollar check and handed it to you, forget a check. Cause we don't do those anymore. If I swiped a card and gave you a million dollars out of an account, it would invoke some sort of movement, some sort of emotion. Maybe, maybe it's, maybe money's not your thing. If you found that loved one, if you, if you, whatever it may be, there's something on the inside of you that when you encounter that thing that causes you to move on the inside, what is it that has made you suppress that? See, Jesus told the church at Ephesus, he said this, he said, I'm so grateful for all that you've done. And I know that you don't tolerate evil, and I know that, that, that you love me, but here's, here's, here's what I have issue with. You need to return to your first love, right? right? And, and we all heard that, and, and we said, okay, we've got to go back to Jesus. And that, but what it really means is that you need to love like you did at first. It's not really going back and, and rediscovering Jesus, because we are, it's do I love him like I did at first? Do I love him? Like I did at first, or are there things that have cluttered the house? Are there things that have cluttered the corner, such as shame and cynicism and religion, sin cycles? What is it that has to be swept? The reason this is so important is, is because 
your consciousness of your wrongdoing and foolish behavior affect the way that you approach God. And I know that some of us are really good at learning how to suppress and moving past it, and we can step over the clutter. And you, you know what I'm talking about? Put it under the rug a little bit till the rug becomes about five foot tall. You, don't, you, you, you understand what I'm saying? But ultimately, your consciousness, your awareness of your failure affects the way that you approach God. Did, do you, I know you know that, but do you really believe that? Do you really believe that, that your thoughts and your ideas about who you are and what you have done and your identity affect the way that you approach God in the devotional place? Let me show this to you. Let's throw up 1 John, that scripture. 1 John chapter 3, verse 20 through 22. And whatever we, yeah, whenever our hearts make us feel guilty, look at this, and remind us of our failures, we know that God is much greater and more merciful than our conscience, and he knows everything there is to know about us. Hold on right there. Hold on right there. Go back, go back. This is a prayer that I'm learning to pray. God, show me your mercy. Show me your mercy. Let me know, because it's new every morning. If his mercy is new every morning, why would I let the failure of yesterday control me in a new day where that mercy is brand new? Whenever our hearts make us feel guilty and remind us of our failures, we know that it is God, that, that God is much greater and more merciful than our conscience, and he knows everything there is to know about us. All right, next verse. My delightfully loved friends, when our hearts don't condemn us, we have a bold freedom to speak face-to-face -face with God. Listen, when you have a consciousness of your failures more than a consciousness of the completed work of the blood of Jesus, it affects the way that you approach God. And it says right there that when we do not allow our heart to condemn us, hold on, I thought it was people that was condemning us. I thought it was my past that was condemning us. I thought it was, I thought it was my failure that condemned us. No, 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 no. It's my heart. When I don't allow my heart to condemn me, I have a bold freedom to speak face-to-face -face with God. And look at, the, look at the result. And whatever we ask of him, we receive because we keep his commandments and by our beautiful intentions, we continue to do what brings him pleasure. I'm trying to get across to us this morning that when the enemy can manipulate you because of the consciousness of your wrongdoing in the past, it affects the way that you go to Jesus. Psalm 145 verse 14 and Psalm 146 8. The goal of shame, I want you to hear this, the goal of shame is to keep you bent over in burden. How difficult is it to go through life like this? How difficult is it to accomplish the easiest tasks? Mom, how difficult is it for you to tend to your children if this is your posture? Wife, how difficult is it for you to tend to your husband if this is your posture? Husband, how difficult is it for you? Dad, how difficult is it for you if this is your posture to do the things that you 
need to do. If you're bent over with shame, you say, well, I stand straight up. Yeah, but what's your spirit man doing? What are your emotions doing? Bent over in shame. Psalm 145, 14, look at this. Somebody look at this. Weak and feeble ones, you will sustain. Those bent over with burdens of shame, you will lift up. Look at the next one, 146, 8. You open the eyes of the blind and fully restore those bent over with shame. You love those who love and honor you. I'm telling you, the enemy, he's after your consciousness. He's after your posture. He's after everything that would cause you to remember what you have done wrong. How do we remove the shame and the guilt? We have to have a real revelation that he who did not sin became sin for me who did not know righteousness so that I could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. See, the sweeping of every corner that we've talked about really has to do with identity. It really has to do with the fact, can you see yourself the way that he sees you? Can you submit yourself under real kingdom government with the maturity of a son, with the maturity of an heir to receive an inheritance so that you can begin to see yourself like he does? How does he see you? What is righteousness? It's to be in right relationship with God. No, 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 no. It's so much more than that. It's that he looks at you and sees you flawless. It's that he looks at you and he has justified you because of the work of his son on the cross nothing that you have done and when you go to him to remind him of how bad you were because that's where your consciousness is he looks at you and with the truth of a father says I don't even remember it how can you say that Ryan because he takes your sin and cast it as far as the east is from the west into the sea of forgetfulness you say oh so it doesn't matter what I do no 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 I'm saying when you encounter the real loving father Father, it positions you so that the old life would never even matter to you any longer because it's totally been eradicated. He who knew no sin, he became sin for me and you so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Let's, let's look at this. This is just him bragging now. This is just him bragging. I'm just going to tell you. This is him bragging. This would be a good time. What I'm about to read, if you want to get your dance back, this would be a good time. Let's read this. Colossians chapter 2, verse 11 through 15. Through our union with him, we have experienced circumcision of heart. All of the guilt and power of sin has been cut away and is now extinct because of what Christ, the anointed one, has accomplished for us. The next one. For we've been buried with him into his death. Our baptism into death also means we were raised with him when we believed in God's resurrection power, the power that raised him from death's realm. This realm of death describes our former state. For we were held in sin's grasp, but now we've been resurrected out of that realm of death, never to return, for we are forever alive and forgiven of all our sins." 
He canceled out every legal violation we had on our record and the oldest arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He erased it all. Our sins, our stained soul, he deleted it all and they cannot be retrieved. Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. I'm telling you that the cross stands as a public display that your past and your sins have been canceled forever. That it is extinct completely. Shame and guilt have been made extinct. Shame and guilt have been made extinct. Come on, I want you to hear me today. Shame and guilt have been made extinct. Shame and guilt. We're taking the broom today and we're sweeping that mess. Not under the rug, but out of the house completely. We're sweeping the corner of shame and guilt. Shame over the relationship not working out. Shame over the way that you parented your kids. Shame over your failures in devotion. Shame over everything that you can imagine. I'm telling you, he's here today and his blood canceled it. And the cross stands as a display publicly for us to look and say, that man is extinct and it has been nailed to this cross as a public display of its cancellation. It's time to shake the corner, uh, sweep the corners. It's time to sweep the corners. What do you have to do to get your dance back? What do you have to do to get your worship back? What do you have to do to get that devotional flame burning again? What is it? What is it that religion and the political spirit has robbed from you? What is it that, that man's opinion, do you understand that shame and guilt are solely fueled by man's opinion? Shame and guilt are solely fueled by man's opinion. What will they think of me? And that's what Michael said to David. What will they think of you? It's time to dance the dance of freedom. It's time to shake, whatever you want to say. You don't know that song, we'll go back to shake off those heavy bands. Y'all remember that? Lift up those whole, something. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's, it's time. It's time. It's time for passion to flood through your house again. It's time for passion it's time for the love of the Holy Spirit to flood through your house again. It's time to put up performance. It's time to put up shame. It's time to put up cynicism and be wowed by the beautiful Jesus. It's time that you look full in his wonderful face, and it's impossible for you to do that and it not move you. It's impossible for you to do that and it not move you. Listen, guys, there's freedom today. There is freedom from shame there is freedom from guilt. 
that you have carried with you for years and years. There, they, uh, what Dave Ramsey says about student loans. Some of us have had shame and guilt so long we think it's a pet. The problem is we'll feed that. We feed it because, oh, what are they going to think of me? What are they going to do? I want to know, what's the next generation going to think of you? What are your grandkids going to say about you? What are your children for you young ones? What are they going to say about you? Are they going to say that you are a passionate lover of Jesus? Or are they going to talk about your accomplishments in Babylon? Are they going to talk about your accomplishments everywhere else other than in the place of prayer? Are your, are your children going to know that you love to lift your hands in worship but never see you do it at home? Are your grandchildren going to know the legacy that you were saved from? It's time to get rid of shame. It's time to get rid of guilt. And let me tell you this. If one of the areas that will not allow you to get rid of shame is if you're holding shame over someone else. If you're holding someone else hostage because you think that they should be under shame or you want them to feel guilty, can I tell you that that is manipulation? Because it's time for us to get passion. It's time for us to get fervor back. It's time for us to get to the place to where nothing else matters but his presence. Do you understand that's where David was? I didn't even go into this, but for 90 days, the Ark of the Covenant was at Obed-Edom's house. What did David do for 90 days? He made preparation to house the presence of God for the rest of his life. For the rest of his life, he made budget changes in the kingdom so that he could employ singers 24 hours a day, seven days a week to minister before the Lord. He made changes to build a tent that would house the presence of God. He made everything necessary to house and host the presence for the rest of his life. He realized he had messed up and he went back and he sought the scriptures and he sought the prophets and he said, what do we do? And he realized I have to carry his presence on our shoulders. What is shame keeping you from? What is guilt keeping you from? He's welcoming you into this revelation life that you are the righteousness of God and there's nothing you can do about it. It's a place of surrender. It's a place of surrender. It's a place of believing what the word says. It's a place of moving past your cynicism. It's a place... Do you know that church people are some of the worst about protecting numbness. We get to this place to where we really can't feel, and instead of letting that go, we will protect that because of the opinion of man. Don't poke me and don't prod me because I don't want to feel any longer. Don't do anything that would restore feeling to my heart because I've learned to live with this numb feeling. And I may walk a little funny, but I've learned how to do it. What if you could run today? What if you could run and not walk funny any longer? What, what, if, what if the only limp you had was the limp that God gave you like he did Jacob? 
What if you could feel again? What if you could feel again? What if you were moved by his presence like you were when you first believed? Better yet, what if you were moved by his presence like you are when you need him? What if you were moved? What if tears flowed, not because you were in a bad place and needed him to rescue you, but because you just looked at him and you saw him? What if, what if that was you? What if that was you? Come on, guys, what has shame robbed you of? What has guilt robbed you of? What has the, the lying enemy, you understand when he speaks, he's lying and it's his native language. You shouldn't do that because. You shouldn't do that because of where you've been. It's time to sweep the corner. It's time to sweep the corner. Somebody come to the music, please. Come on, just close your eyes right where you are. Just close your eyes right where you are. I'm asking for God to release hunger over us. Some of us, our hunger have been stifled because of shame and guilt. Some of us, can can I just be real blatant, honest today? Some of us, our hunger has been stifled because we're lazy. And we continue to do the same things over and over and over and over again, expecting a different result. I'm telling you, there's an invitation today to sweep the corners. There's an invitation today to get rid of the clutter. There's an invitation today to move past what has held you bound for years and years and years. The clutter. See, these are roots that we're talking about. These corners are roots. Religion and cynicism Sin cycles. Guilt and shame, they're roots, but they have little offshoots. They have little offshoots that cause you to respond to people differently, that cause you to respond to your spouse differently, that cause you to have unhealthy needs. It's because we're trying to feed We're trying to feed what it was that we needed to let die and be nailed to the cross. I hear the scripture ringing in my head, seek the Lord while he may be found. Seek the Lord while he may be found. The sting of that scripture is that there may be a time where he would not be found. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Release the shame. Release the guilt. Recapture passion. Recapture passion. Recapture passion. Some of you, some of you under the sound of my voice right now, you have immense leadership potential in the kingdom like off the charts and you're underachieving because you're allowing the clutter of life to overtake you 
Some of you have immense leadership, even in the workplace, for the kingdom. And you're not fulfilling your potential because of clutter that you allow to stay in your life. It's time to sweep the corners. It's time to sweep the corners. You cannot lead people out of what you're still hanging on to. That's why Moses had to come out of Egypt because he couldn't lead people out of what he was still married to. Whatever the reason is, if it's shame, if it's guilt, if it's religion, if it's cynicism, if it's, if it's hurt, if it's doubt. It's time to sweep the corner. It's time to sweep the corners. Come on, let's stand. It's time to sweep the corners, guys. It's time to get the clutter out. It's time to get the junk out. It's time to ask for hunger to overtake you once again. It's time to ask for hunger to overtake you once again. That is my prayer for you. That is my prayer for you, that you would be overrun with hunger for the presence of God. Come on, can you hear the loving call of the Father today? Can you hear the loving call of the Father today? I see him, I see him. I see some of you who are holding the broom and you don't even know where to start and I just see the Father coming and taking it out of your hand and doing it for you. And it becomes a beautiful dance, you and him removing the clutter that's in your house, that's in your heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He rejoices over you with singing and dancing. I see him spinning throughout the clutter and it disappearing. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) He doesn't come with condemnation and when you don't let your heart condemn you, you can speak with him face to face. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. And when you don't let your heart condemn you, you can come and approach face to face. Come on, you're here today and you say, I need to sweep the corners. I need to get rid of this junk. I need to, I need to get rid of it. I want to ask you just to come down front right now. Just come down together and just release. Just release to him the things that are holding you back. Just release to him the things that have kept you bound. Come on, I know there's more. Come on. Let's get past pride. Let's get past all of the junk and and, and just move into what he wants for us. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Come on. I know there's more. I know there's more. God, we just repent of pride today. We repent of pride. We repent, God, for thinking that it's always for somebody else. It's always for someone else. It's always a great message for somebody. God, I'm just asking you to release the power of the Holy Spirit today. Release the conviction power of your love, your kindness that leads us into repentance today. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, come on, just release it to him today. 
Just release it to him today. We release shame. We release guilt. We release it, God, and we ask to be overcome with wonder. We ask to be overcome with the revelation that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you're not down here, come on, just would you begin to pray. Stretch your hands this way and ask the Holy Spirit to move in this place. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. I'm asking for encounters to come that cause us to wake up. I'm asking for encounters to come that cause us to have to get away in the middle of our day because we're so overcome with the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm asking for hunger to come that cannot be quenched that always leaves us longing for more of his presence. I'm asking for encounters to come. For some of you, I'm asking for the dreams and the visions that you had when you loved him at first. I'm asking for those encounters to come that you experienced when you first met this man, Jesus. I'm asking that at the pinnacle, whatever you would call the pinnacle, I'm asking that you would have encounters like you did at that point, that we would really return to love like we did at first so we sweep the corners today we sweep the corners today we say guilt and shame will no longer tell us what to do we say that guilt and shame will no longer tell us what to do and the cross stands as the public display that it was nailed for cancellation Come on, open your mouth right now and just begin to worship him in this place. Come on, what would worship look like if there was no guilt, there was no shame? What would worship look like if there were no issues of guilt and shame in your life? Yeah, 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 yeah. What would it look like? Jesus, Jesus, we worship you. We worship you. We adore you. We adore you. We adore you. We sweep the clutter away. We sweep the clutter away. We sweep the clutter away. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, just make those declarations today that we get rid of the clutter. We get rid of the clutter. We get rid of the guilt and the shame. We're not going to step over it any longer, and we're not going to expect other people to step over it either. We release it today. We release it today. The power of the Holy Spirit is here to change. The power of the Holy Spirit is here to eradicate. Come on. How would you worship if you got everything back that religion had stolen from you? How would you worship if you got everything back that guilt and shame had stolen from you? Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Jesus, Jesus.
Ah, aleluia, aleluia. Hallelujah. I just want to ask everybody that will just come down here and gather in. If you're on the outsides there, let's just gather into this, this space here. Everybody that will come on. Just step on in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, let's let's all come in. I want you to be able to touch one another. I want you to be able to touch one another. Just put a hand on somebody. I just want you to reconfirm your yes. I want you together as a company to confirm that you're willing to remove the clutter. You're willing to sweep the corners. Come on, would you just open your mouth and declare those things today? That you're willing to do it as a company, as a body. You're willing to make the adjustments necessary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Together, together we say yes. Together we say yes. Together we say yes to you, to your will, to your way. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Come on, open your mouth. Open your mouth and begin to just release blessing over one another. Release blessing. Come on, bless them into encounters. Bless them into encounters with the power of the Holy Spirit. Bless them into encounters. Bless them. Bless them into angelic visitations. Bless them into dreams and visions. Bless them into the the first love experience, the way that you loved it first, the way that you loved it first when you believed that he took all of your guilt, when you believed that he took everything away. Come on, just bless them into that today. Come on, if you're touching your spouse, bless them into the greatest marriage they've ever known. If your spouse isn't here, come on, say it anyway. We bless our spouses into the greatest marriage that they've ever known. We bless them. We bless them today. Come on, bless your children. I bless my children to live in legacy. I bless my children to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. I bless my children not to be moved by the things of this world, not to let the clutter come into their lives. We sweep corners for generations today. Come on, pass it along. We sweep corners for generations today. He's moving, he's moving, he's moving. Yeah, 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 come on, let it go. Let it go. Let it go today. Let the passion and power and fervor of the Holy Ghost be released today. Yeah. Yay. Come on, I want you to begin to dream what it would look like for a generation not to deal with a religious and political spirit. What would it what would it look like for a generation not to know cynicism? What would it look like for a generation not to know sin cycles? Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, prophesy. Prophesy to generations to come. Kira mama mandolo bo shata. 
Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on. I want you to begin to prophesy to your generations to come the revival that you want to see now. Come on, would you begin to prophesy what you want to see into generations right now? Come on, just become seed. Just become seed today to release a move of God into generations to come. Come on, open your mouth right now and declare it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I prophesy that my children won't know what church hurt is. I prophesy that my children won't know what it is to walk outside of the presence of God. I prophesy that they'll have better marriages than we do. I prophesy that their kids will run with fervor and passion with the Holy Spirit. Come on, release it today. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, legacy. Legacy of the Spirit. Legacy of the Spirit. Legacy of the Spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm speaking to myself and to some of you. I commission, I commission some of us right now to begin to write down what revival will look like in generations. I commission us right now to begin to pin the things of the Spirit that we are longing to see in the future and in generations. I commission, I commission a body for that right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shela mama mandolo bo yeah, yeah, I say to some of you, the strongest weapon you'll have will be your pen. The strongest weapon you will have will be your pen. Hallelujah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit is here. Holy Spirit is here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Peace, peace. Peace. I speak to some of you. I speak to some of you and to your mind. I speak peace right now in the name of Jesus. I speak peace. If that's you and you need peace in your mind, I want you to raise your hand right now. Yeah. Yeah. Keep your hand up. Just keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Peace in Jesus' name. I speak peace in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast from Awakening Church. You can find us online at awakeningky.com.